0: A text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day it comes to us from our God, or excuse me from the epistle reading today from 1st Peter chapter 2 and especially these verses as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was great Solomon of old who first built the Lord his temple. And that temple which Solomon built stood all the way throughout the Israelites' time in the promised land until that day when Babylon came and drove the Israelites out of the promised land. Then that temple was destroyed. And at the end of the time of the exile of God's people, a second temple then was constructed. It was built with the help of some unlikely allies, including Cyrus, the Persian king, Ezra, the Israelite, and Herod, the Roman. That temple stood for many years also, including the time when Jesus walked upon the earth and inside that temple. However, in 70 AD, some 40 years after Jesus' death, that temple, too, was destroyed. For the last 2,000 years or so, there has not been a temple in Jerusalem. And you might think, that after so long, we might have got to a point where everyone had resigned themselves to the fact that there would never be a temple in Jerusalem again. But it is not so. You see, there is a group called the Temple Mount Faithful, and they believe that there will be a temple. And not only do they believe there will be, they are working towards it. In fact, they have readied the cornerstone for the new temple they hoped to lay in Jerusalem. In fact, just about a decade or so ago, they transported this 13-ton cornerstone right down into the midst of Jerusalem. They brought it right up to the temple mount where the temple used to stand. They presented it there as the grand symbol that they were ready to rebuild God's temple. After all, As Orthodox Jews, they believed that rebuilding the temple was essential to God fulfilling his promises. Of course, there is a problem currently with their plan, and that problem is that right now upon the temple mount stands the dome on the rock, an Islamic shrine, and right next to it is a mosque. And yet that does not stop this group which has produced the cornerstone, from believing that the temple will be rebuilt. And certainly they are not alone. Most Orthodox Jews dream of the day when the third temple will be built. In fact, I read one news article this week that said just after the recent elections, a prominent group of rabbis actually wrote a letter to President Donald Trump asking him, to help rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, since he has said that he believes that Jerusalem should be under Israeli control. But it's not just Jewish people who are looking for the rebuilding of the temple. Sadly, many Christians have bought into a false view of the end times, which teaches that the temple must be rebuilt before Christ can return. Therefore, they often send great sums of money and offer prayers that the third temple might be rebuilt. Yes, the building of this third temple is serious business for many people. But there is a problem with all of those plans. There is a problem with the idea of rebuilding a third temple in Jerusalem upon a literal stone that problem is that it rejects God's own revelation of his plans for the third temple. You see, God himself has already chosen the cornerstone for that new temple, and it is not a literal stone at all. No, only this cornerstone that he has chosen can bear the weight of the structure that God desires to build for him and his people. No literal stone, no matter its weight or size, is able to hold up the temple that God is building. For this temple will be the place that God's people will forevermore offer their spiritual sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to him. You know, in English, the words stone and sun share three of their letters, and they're even in the same order as you look at it. In the Hebrew language, the two words are even closer, off by only one letter. But neither of those languages can draw those words as close as the Apostle Peter does, inspired by the Holy Spirit. For what he tells us in our text is that indeed the cornerstone that God has chosen is his son, Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He is the one in whom God has placed trust to hold up all of his church. Yes, he is the only stone that is precious enough in God's sight for such an important place. Upon him alone can the third temple be built. Oh yes, on Good Friday, they sought to tear him down. But on three days later, he rose and rebuilt the temple just as he had prophesied when he said, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. But God's design for his temple is not only about the cornerstone. No, not only has he chosen the cornerstone Jesus, but he has chosen each and every other stone that will be in that building as well. God in his mercy has chosen each of us to be a part of this building. As Peter said, we are spiritual stones that he is laying upon the cornerstone, Jesus. And when God looks and sees his son as the cornerstone and his people as the living stones on top of that stone, he sees that third temple just as he has always desired. For you see, the new temple, the third temple, is the thing that we call the holy Christian church. It is that place where God's Spirit dwells. It's not a building located in Jerusalem, but is found wherever God's chosen people gather upon Jesus. It is just as Jesus had told the Samaritan woman at the well on that fateful day. He had told her that there was a time coming when people would no longer worship on Mount Zion as the Jews had done, neither would they worship on Mount Gerasim as the the Samaritans had done. Instead, they would worship wherever two or three of those little living stones were placed upon the cornerstone Jesus. There they would worship in spirit and in truth. We are that temple by God's grace by his mercy. We gather here week after week to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. and Then after we have received His mercy, we scatter into the world to speak to the world about how perfect and square that cornerstone underneath us is truly. We proclaim how He, through His death and resurrection, has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We are reminded that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. And none of this have we earned or deserved. No, it is simply ours because of God's abundant mercy. Sadly, there are many in our world who stumble over the cornerstone Jesus, who will not receive him or build upon him, And those people will then therefore not be incorporated into the temple that God is now building. For You see, Jesus is the only way to be a part of the temple. As we heard him say in our gospel reading for today, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. No, building a new temple in Jerusalem can't get you to the Father. And seeking any other way of getting to the Father other than Jesus, would be just as foolish. Only through him can we get to the Father. But the question for us is this. Do we take seriously the fact that we, the church, are the new temple of God? Do we take seriously that within this church, God himself comes to dwell just as surely as he came to dwell in the temple of old? Do we therefore offer forth from a sincere heart offerings of thanksgiving and praise? Do we realize that as kingly priests, God has given us that task of getting the gospel message out into all the world? Do we take seriously that he wishes to use our lips to tell of the glorious ways in which he brings people out of darkness and into light? but we should take all of this seriously. After all, God warns us with these words in the book of 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Yes, the Holy Christian Church is the third temple. And that means that those of us that are a part of it must try to care for this temple in every way we know how. We cannot allow the temple to fall into disrepair through quarrels or through apathy among the stones of the wall. We cannot come here and simply utter vain words that we really do not mean, supposing that those words will somehow be accepted as sacrifices that are pleasing to our God. No, in fact, we must instead come here and fill the church with such sincere praise and thanksgiving that those outside the church can hear just how awesome God is in claiming those who are stumbling around in darkness and bringing them into his marvelous light. Yes, we must declare how good it is to be part of the temple of God by his mercy alone. And so for all of the times when we have forgotten just how precious the cornerstone of this temple, Jesus Christ, truly is, we must repent. For each time we have not taken seriously our place as living stones within that temple, we must confess. For every time that we have desecrated the temple of God with impure thoughts or words or deeds, dragging the spirit into places he never should go, we must fall before Jesus. And as we do, we will learn this good news. Those who fall before Jesus, those who look to the cornerstone and believe in him, well, they will never be put to shame. No, all who believe in Jesus will never be put to shame. Even though they have done shameful things, for Jesus has bore their shame. He has taken it to the cross and he has left it there. He is risen. And then, therefore, he has raised us up to new life. Not a life of continued shame, but a life of mercy and grace and glory that we share with Jesus. Yes, he gives us a place in that third temple in his holy Christian church. How good is our God that he doesn't leave us in the dark, but takes us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. How blessed are we. How good is he. Amen.